Good morning, good afternoon, good night, everyone. This is England is Burning. This is a special episode. It is Thursday, May 13th, 2021. Last time I checked, yeah, it's still 2021. Welcome to England is Burning. This is a special episode. Yesterday, another bombshell in the world of women's football, in the world of the FAWSL, in the world of Manchester United happened yesterday as Casey Stoney in a statement came out by the club by Manchester United Club announcing that she would be stepping down at the end of the season effective this coming weekend after the FA Cup stepping down as manager the only manager that Manchester United women have had since the beginning in 2018 and the ripple effect through the Manchester United fan community particularly those who follow the women's game very closely as well as women's football in general in England has been kind of rocked by this news. And so we, I wanted to bring on Mark from the Barmy army to come on to talk a little bit about kind of what transpired and kind of what happens next, because there are a lot of questions and I don't know if Mark has the answers or not, but we're going to try to sort this thing out. So Mark, thank you for joining us today uh, on a uh, Thursday. No problem. Be here. Now the news came out what what time yesterday in 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 Manchester? It was about four o'clock ish. And how did you hear the news? This is like one of those things where where were you when this happened? You know, so where were you? You know, when you got the news that this was? Um, yeah, I mean, I was at home, um, and the notification came up on my phone from. Uh, United and then Twitter, the notification from Twitter quickly followed. Um, and to, to, to say this came out of left field is an it was an absolute bombshell. I wasn't expecting it. Um, uh, yeah, I was at home and yeah. <laughs> and how did you? How did you take the, the the news initially when you heard the news? Because from what I've seen from a lot of fan reaction, uh, even fans of other clubs, of rival clubs like Arsenal and Chelsea and even Manchester City and looking at some of the, the social media posts that they put out, they, they've kind of had this shock and awe that this has happened. Um, what? How did the news hit you? Yeah, it, it was a, a shock at it was a shock. Um, Like I said, I I didn't expect it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you hear gossip, you hear rumours from, you know, around the world of football. It's what makes the world of football so great. It's like you Mm -hmm. hear rumours and you hear gossip, um, but um, wasn't expecting it at all. It was, you know, it was one of those moments where you look at your phone, you you rub your eyes and then you look at it again just to make sure you've read what you've read. Uh, yeah, it it's up there. It kind of, in many ways, um, it kind of reminded me of 2013 when the news broke that Sir Alex was leaving. Just the it, just that click of a moment. You know, you heard, you know, Sir Alex was going to stay for another couple of years, and everything was great. And then you hear Casey last season; she signed a new contract. So these things, it just it complete shock. I've heard a lot of comparisons in, the, in less than 24 hours of people, uh, you know, responding on on YouTube videos and on podcasts and so forth, uh, making a lot of comparisons to this announcement, this situation, to Sir Alex 
you know, leaving in 2013. Yeah. How fair is that a comparison? I, I don't think you can compare Sir Alex to Casey. I think we all wanted Casey to have a legacy at United, kind of like Sir Alex. We all wanted her to be that manager who would take United to, to the promised land. Um, it, as you rightly said, Casey is the only manager the women's team has ever known. We've only ever known Casey. Um, I, I think looking back at it, you know, twenty coming up 24 hours later, the news was kind of breaking before the United announcement. And whether this announcement was going to be made public on Monday, I, I, I don't know after the game or even Sunday night after the game had finished. I don't know. But I think once it started to leak, I don't think it kind of left United with much choice to but to release the statement that Casey was resigning. Uh, and I think that's the same kind of thing that happened with Sir Alex. The, 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 paper, the, the newspapers started to break it before United had a chance. And, I, and ironically, the same paper that broke Sir Alex leaving broke Casey leaving as well. So I, I don't think the club had much of a choice but to release it once the papers started uh, to break it. Yeah, and then it, and then once the dam broke, it really broke. Um, yeah. I didn't I did not hear about it here here in the U.S. in Atlanta be, until actually about four or four or five p.m. my time. Uh, which was essentially four or five hours later, uh, mainly because I was working. <laughs> you know, yeah. I was busy. I didn't and didn't have any time to check my Twitter and and you know and also if I have an idea that something is happening during going to happen that day, I'm you know I am checking, but I had no inkling that something would be going down yesterday that I would be you know have any interest in hearing about uh, going down. So um, it, it caught me a little bit by, you know, a little bit by surprise, like, whoa, that's huge news. And it is huge news yeah. uh, and so forth. But I, I want to put this in sort of the greater context of the FEWSL, women's football in general and so forth. And kind of because what has also has slowly and maybe not so slowly started coming out are some of the potential reasons that, Casey has decided to, on her accord, to step down. Uh, yeah. And it's been wi- now become widely reported about multiple reasons related to how the club is being run, uh, training facilities, m- uh, money, you know, all these sort of things that we've heard about with other clubs with their women's football programs, uh, other issues with them, but at, because it's from it's at Manchester United, it takes on a much bigger, much larger frame. And so I want to point to a a set of tweets that came out actually very early this morning, talking about potential, you know, or talking about reasons that have been uh, discussed. And one of which, and and I want to just kind of walk through each of them. The first one that that was brought up, and it's not in any particular order from from the Devil's DNA, uh, was the pitch. And so the, the quote from the, the tweet is, at Carrington, the women have to fit around the men's schedule. In 2018, the board promised to improve facilities at the cliff for the women's team, but that has not happened, forcing them to adjust at Carrington. Next season's training venue is still undecided. Thoughts on that? So, yeah, I, I'll take that 
a, a little bit by bit. I'm going to start with the Carrington part of it. When we moved to Carrington in 2005, there was no women's team. Mm-hmm. Carrington, so 30, so you can't, in many ways, I don't expect anyone to predict what's going to happen 13 years later when the women's team is formed. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if they could, it would be great because I, I would know them. Yeah. So, um, Carrington is is a, is purpose built. It's not massive. It's 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 in many ways it's behind. Carrington is behind a lot of the the, the top teams, and Carrington does need work doing to it. I'm not going to disagree with that. So the the first team, the men's team, they have their own private section, which is off to the it, it, off to the right. Then they have the under 18s pitch. And then behind the 18s pitch is where the women train now. Now, there is a massive part in this that I feel a lot of people are either missing or they don't want to see it. And that is, unfortunately, I'm going to have to use the words COVID-19. At the beginning of the season, up until this season, Casey was extremely happy training at LSV. The problem with with Lee Sports Village where they train is... Due to the safety protocols and everything else, Lee Sports Village wasn't fit for purpose. So they moved them around a bit. And, uh, you know, United put them in at Carrington. They moved them around to, to fit them in. Now, it's not perfect. It's not ideal. And by reading what you've read, yeah, it, it it's not great from the reports you've read. But United, you can't expect United to go and build a, a purpose new stadium, a purpose new training facility or section for the for the women's team without you know they can't do it. You need you know COVID has happened. Everyone's kind of working on the fly with with what's going on in the world. I'm not excusing it. I'm just I'm just speaking from from my point of view. Sure. The the cliff side of things is where yes, when you, the team was announced. The, the, on, on the, the announcement, it said they would be working from the cliff. Now, I don't know whether you've seen any pictures of the cliff, Keith. It's an old, it's an old part of United. Now, I am a United fan above everything else. I will always, if I can, stick up for the club, and if I can't, then I will either keep my mouth shut or I will say my bit. Mm-hmm. I don't want, and I've said this to to my wife, Deborah, I've said it to to millions and hundreds of people. The cliff to me is a very important part of the Manchester United history. The cliff has not changed for 30, 40 years. The, The manager's office that's in there is the same office that was used by Sir Matt, Sir Alex, and I don't want that part of the club's history torn down i i really don't history history of the club is important now could it use could it use being built up and and rejuvenated yeah of course it can but if you rejuvenate it and me personally you lose that history you don't want to lose where samat was because we don't have that anymore at, at the club the club made a promise about the cliff they haven't kept that promise. Now, 
Is it cost? You know, what we don't know is the costs of rejuvenating the, the cliff, or is it cheap? Or was it, it? Is it maybe cheaper to to do something at Carrington? Those are questions that only the the club will know the answers from. But up until, like I said, COVID hit, Casey was really happy at Lee Sports Village. Now, obviously, something has changed, and for me, what has changed is COVID. Because the, the the players have to go into two dressing rooms to get changed. When we first came, when the team, not just the women's team, but even the men's teams around the, around the UK, when they first came back to training, they had to turn up in their training gear. They couldn't go into the changing rooms. They couldn't shower after training. They literally had to train, arrive, train, go home, do the washing. And that's pretty much how it was through the women's side. Mm-hmm. The, downs- the downside to, to, to Lee Sports Village, and, and we, you know, we were talking about this last night on the Barmy Army podcast. We were saying that where the girls, tra- where the team trains, it's a public park. You can walk past them. It's not cordoned off the way mm-hmm. Carrington is. So I think the training side of things, yeah, we could do a lot better. I'm, I'm not going to deny that. But I also think there's a lot of mitigating circumstances in there that people need to not understand or see my point of view, but kind of need to go, you know, without COVID, would we would we be in this position right now? Because, you know, I, I don't want to keep using the word, using the word COVID is a massive excuse, but you can't not deny what COVID has had an impact on the entire world. Not just, you know, you and me, Keith, we're working from home. It's had an impact on every single person. So we have to look at it all. But as I said, the training circumstances aren't great. We so to, I'm, so, I'm sorry, to, to summarize, what you're saying is, is that, yes, the training facilities are what they are and they could be better. However, this issue needs to be really looked at from the context of the COVID reality of, you know, everyone that had to make massive adjustments in order for, in order to properly train and properly socially distance in a safe way. And that included all teams, not just women's team, but all teams had to kind of go through this process of, uh, of these sort of precautions and so forth. So it has, so this situation, yeah, is an issue, but on the other hand, let we have to look at the reality and the reality is we had to do a lot of stuff in order to to protect the safety of everybody involved yeah. in order for them to continue to play and train and, and et cetera. Uh, absolutely. Uh, at, at the very beginning of, of when the teams reported back for pre-season training, the right. men used Carrington. There was no other teams allowed in Carrington. The, the under-18s, they trained at the cliff. The under-23s, I think they trained at the other training complex on Littleton Road. So the other only place that Casey could go back to is Lee Sports Village. But slowly, the 23s went back to Carrington to train. Right. So that so when Lee Sports Village wasn't up to, to purpose, they could go to Littleton Road. But then the 18s went back to Carrington. So then the so I, in, in a way, the training, yeah, it isn't perfect because it seems like the women's team were plopped here for one minute, taken there for another minute there for another and then taken to Carrington. It's it, 
all of those things are in kind of like a you know you've got to take it all into one massive point of that at least something wasn't right then they move them to somewhere else it wasn't right there then they move them to somewhere else in many ways united have tried to fit them into where's right but mm-hmm. you can't you, you're not going to get that right first time it's going to take a, a couple of goes so part of the you know part of the the, the series of tweets that the devil's dna kind of came out with so the, the training facility kind of dominoes into their into the their second point their second point is injuries Quote, the below par training facilities have led to, to many injuries in the first team. The team was in great form and unbeaten until January the 17th at the top of the league, but lost four games in 11 to miss out on a historic Champions League spot on the final on the final day. Now, I, I will say, let me jump in and say, in, again, in context, everything has to be in there. Ha- everything has a context. Yes, it is true that it is true that they were in great form up until January the 17th. Uh, it is true they were on the top of the league at about that time. It is also true that they lost four games in 11. However, if you look at who they played during that uh, those 11 games, running into you know the likes of City and Arsenal and Chelsea – during that period of time. And yeah, you had the other ones, you know, kind of mixed in there, but you got to look at what the schedule looked like uh, and so forth. They really didn't miss out on the Champions League on the final day. I mean, that's a little bit much because, you know, it would have required an alien invasion or or zombie apocalypse and them scoring 27 goals uh, and Arsenal losing, uh, which they almost did. Um, But, uh, you know, for that to get get a Champions League spot, that was fade off complete, you know, two weeks ago. Your thoughts about the injury issue, because because and I, and I say this again, I want to bring this back to context. So Arsenal, a lot of stuff coming out of Arsenal over during their period of time where they were struggling, uh, inconsistent, had massive injury issues and stuff started coming out of that, that camp, rumor or otherwise, that there were injury concerns, training facility concerns, medical concerns. Uh, coaching practices concerns and things like that relating then leading up to, you know, key injuries on the Arsenal team that led to a dip in form. So you have that narrative. And then this narrative comes out at even bigger club. Um, And then, but it's true. There have been a number of critical injuries. We've talked about it. The list of injuries on the front line uh, from Lauren James to, um, Kristen uh, to Tobin Heath and even Kristen Press to a degree to um, forget her name now, Leah Galton uh, to Russo. I mean, just the list went on and on and on of, uh, of injuries on the front line. What are your thoughts about that kind of aspect of it? That the dominant, I mean, injuries are a part of football. We got that's the other context too, right? Yeah, yeah. But but the 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 narrative that's being painted. Is a narrative that okay? So, so the United Women's side had had not so good training facilities. As a result, they had more injuries, and then that result ended up in more poor form. Yeah. Okay. So the injuries this season, we, we have been decimated by injuries. But let's take out two of those injuries. Just let's take them out of the way. The Leah Goldson one happened during a game. Right. 
So that's an injury that that's an that's an injury that happens in a game. That that's not a training injury. That's that's playing a game. She got injured and it happened off the ball. Yes. So I, I would take the Leah injury out of the equation. I don't think that you can even really talk about it. the the Alessia Russo one. She tore a hamstring and she can only tear a hamstring really. And I'm not a medical doctor. Only if you're running. Now I want my players running around in training. I don't want them walking. So you can take maybe those two injuries out and go, well, you've got to run. Otherwise, how can you train? And and Leah's, as I said, happened in a game. Yes, the Tobin injury was a bit of, it came out of nowhere. Lauren hasn't been fit most of the season. And we've never really got an answer on what, what's been up with her. Yeah, Hayley Ladd, here, hamstring injury. But again, you've got to run around in training. You can't not. Now, we talked about it on, on one of the, the, the podcasts about training injuries. And you rightly said, training isn't football, is a contact sport. You're going to get an injury. What was weird, and, and I think we, we, we mentioned this, is that at the time, all of the injuries across Manchester United were happening to all the forwards, both men's and women's. And they were all kind of the, the same kind of injuries. Now, is now do who who do you the, the question that everyone needs to ask is who do you blame for the injuries? Do you blame the conditions or do you blame the the coaches who set up those training sessions? You know, the men were training at Carrington, the women were training probably at LSV, I, I don't know. Now, do you blame the coach for the injuries? Because they're the ones who set the training sessions up. It's not the players go who go, well, I fancy doing this today. What about you? It's, I, so th- there's that side to it. But you, we, I can't deny, and I won't deny, we have been hit by an injury crisis this season. But it's, a, it's football. Injuries happen to every single team. And regardless of injuries, you would expect the, the, the quality of players we've got and, and have got to beat some teams in the WSL. And I'm not being, re- I'm not going to be disrespectful and say, well, we have to go out and beat Bristol 17 nil because they gave us a really good game three weeks ago and it was a tough game. And that's, that's the WSL. So, Yes, injuries have played a part, but you have to look at the, 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 bigger, the, the bigger part of those injuries. LJ being injured most of the season. Hayley Ladd, from what we understand, and it was she's played through a bit of an injury and she had to have that, that scene too. Alessia Russo, she, she saw a hamstring in injury, in, in training, sorry. And Leah's, it happened at an actual game. So, as I said at the beginning, I can rule out two of those injuries because I understand how they have happened, or even three with heavy lads. It's the Tobin Heath one, which I think has a lot of people asking questions about, and LJ. Kristen Press, yeah, she had an injury. She had an illness. But you can't, at the very beginning, and that kept her out for three or four weeks, but she was ill. She wasn't hurt in training. She was ill. And again, everyone's going, well, what's happened to her? Unfortunately, you people get ill in the world, and sometimes you get better. And she got, and thankfully, she got better. 
and we've seen the best of Christian since since then. So, yeah, injuries have played a part, but I can't say the injuries are what stops us from where we are. So, um, points three and four. Uh, well, four kind of, the point four. I'm skipping three for a moment. Point four kind of goes back to the facilities thing again in regards to the actual infrastructure. Um, you know, talking, it talks about, you know, the nearest toilets being 10 minutes from the pitch. The gym is an attempted facility, um, you know, and being moved around. So it's kind of talking, the infrastructure piece is talking about the training facilities. Again. Yeah. Can I just talk about the reality there, unless you wanted to add to that. Yeah. Can I, the gym bit, okay. Yeah. United moved them out of, out of LSV and moved them to Carrington. And what they've done is they've put a mark, they've, They've put a marquee up where they can have the gym, where they can all go into the gym at the same time. Is that a bad thing? I don't personally think it is. All right, yes, we live in Manchester. Yes, it rains here more times than we get sunshine. But the t- but United did that at the last minute. I know from a friend who wants to get a marquee for his garden how hard it is to get marquees for his garden right now. They are a commodity. Because we can meet people outside. And as I said, in Manchester, we get the rain. People know, you know, these things. So the facility side of things, United have done things at a rush to try and accommodate. And you have to use that word accommodate. Because as I said, Lee Sports Village wasn't suitable and wasn't suitable during COVID. Okay. Um, again, I mean, yeah, it's, it fits into the the the, the COVID narrative yeah. as well, and you know, and so forth. Um, the the third point they made, uh, you know, again going back to the devil's DNA, it's their tweet, not mine. Uh, the third point is a budget. You know, quote: uh, Stony had a restricted budget and was close to resigning a couple of months ago. The club have been persuading her to continue for a few months, pending contract extensions and doubtful futures of USA duo Heath and Press have cast doubts on club's commitment to invest. Is this just another dig at dig supporting the anti-establishment ownership narrative? Um, what I will say about the, the, the finances and the budget. Every, and we were talking about this last night, every women's WSL team mostly runs at a huge loss, financial Mm -hmm. huge loss. Mm -hmm. Now, we've not been able to get into a game now for a season and a half because the, 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 the season's done. So United, not just United, every team would have lost money. That's a fact of life. Football is not the only thing, football isn't the only business to lose money during this this time. Now, here in the UK, you can go on to a public website and you can look at Manchester United women's accounts for the previous business year. So 20, uh, I think you can look at 1819 or 1920, whichever way. You can look at it. And one of our members, who is the vice uh, treasurer, and the treasurer looked at, looked at these figures. As I said, it's public. You can go and view them. Record, yeah, yeah, and actually, they said United aren't doing too bad. They made a profit for for a season, 
They made money. Well, now, to work, hold on. Let me, let me just clarify here. They made a profit on the women's team just through looking at the women's team's numbers or are they looking at the, the club in total? No. So the women's team have a separate set of accounts to the men's side. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So, so you can view either the men's or the women's. It's up to you. And on the women's team, I think for the year, I think for the, for the f- first business year, they made a profit. And obviously, mm-hmm. what came in for last seasons has obviously been stopped because of COVID. There's a COVID in there. But United's women's teams made a profit. Now, the budget, I don't know. I We don't know what the budget is. You know, everyone has read out there on Twitter or wherever that Chelsea women have an annual budget of four and a half million pounds per year. Now, I don't, I don't think United are going to give that kind of money out. But... As Emma Hayes has said many, many, many times, it's taken her nine years to get her squad together that she has now. And in my opinion, they are probably the, right now the best team, in, women's team in Europe. We'll find out the reality of that on Sunday yeah. night. So, now, but my, I'm sorry to interrupt, but, but I have to ask them with that statement, Chelsea, because I mean, I had the same, heard the same thing um, about Manchester City as well where you know, Manchester City puts in all this money into their, their women's team as well. Um, I don't know as much about Arsenal in terms of their as far as financially. But I guess the question then becomes is, is the, arg- the counter-argument here is that I've heard, again, the narrative about anti-ownership, anti-glazers, and all this other stuff, anti-Woodward, the whole nine yards, is we are Manchester United. We have more money than God. You know, and so why can't Manchester United put in the same amount of money that Chelsea and Manchester City do? Because we're Man United. We're the biggest club in Europe. I mean, not Europe, but we probably are. But the biggest club in England as far as as far as big clubs are concerned and money and all of that. So that's the argument being put out there is is well, they weren't supported. And that's because the Glazers are, are greedy, miserly old people. Yeah, look, yeah, I mean, the, the, the point of that is is that we don't know what the budget, Casey's budget is. We right, don't know. Right. It, could, it could be two million. It could be three million. It could be a million. We don't know. Casey has said the budget isn't as big as the top three. Now, but, you know, it, if she, if, if the budget, let, let's pick a number. We know Chelsea are on four and a half million pounds per year. And, and let's say City are on four million, Arsenal on three and a half, just doing even numbers down. United could be on, you know, just to pick a number, United could be getting three million pounds a year. Now, I don't know whether that's realistic. I don't know whether it's unrealistic. I, I don't know. I've just picked that number out just to try and make it even. But again, going back to what Emma Hayes has said, it's taken her nine years to get this squad together. We're in year three. And, and and I don't want to make it sound like it's a, that's a bit of a cop-off, but in year three, would you really expect your budget to be bigger than in a, than, than Chelsea's? I, I'm, I'm really sorry. I, I can't expect that, to, that kind of realism. When we won the championship in our first season and then the second season it got curtailed and we were lucky, in many people's opinion, to finish fourth, 
and we finished fourth this season a point behind. Now, should the budget be more next? If we would have finished third, would the budget have been more? You know something? I'm going to say, yeah, it would have been. But I think the budget is where we are. And, and and that's my. I don't know where we. I don't know where our budget fits in into the WSL. It's right. we're not winning as much as Chelsea, but I bet we're getting more than Bristol. So there's something in there, and mm-hmm. I, I kind of I don't know where we where this budget goes. Um, and so that you know, and, and since we don't know for sure the money aspect of it, and again, we have to also look at the COVID context, you know, is that, you know, and that's the thing I, I've been thinking about a lot in terms of how I know how much COVID is, has impacted clubs in general. And then my question that, that I've had in, in regards to that is how has that been trickled down to, you know, the academies and to the women's teams and things like that. Um, in, in terms of how, you know, how this club, how any club, not just Manchester United, are being run, um, because it, it, there has to be a, a, a trickle-down effect all the way down, yeah. down the line um, and so forth. So th- there's that aspect of it as well. Yeah. Um, the one bit about the ownership that I kind of, I get the points of view of people, I really do, but to say that Casey's not being backed by the owners, I don't, you know, we brought in, last season we brought in five players Five, Ivana, uh, Ivana Alessia, Lucy Staniforth, Tobin and Kristen. That's five players we brought in. And then the year before, we brought in Jackie, Hayley Ladd, Jane Ross, Mary Earps. So I don't, you know, yes, I was, yes, I can understand people that were not going out and getting the Sam Kerrs or the Peniel Harders or those. I understand that. But to say that Casey's not being backed, She's got the she's got in quality players, and I I, I just don't get that part of why people are saying okay. So yeah, that sounds like a kind of an either or situation. She's either backed or not, and and then how I look at it, and I think how you're looking at it is, well, she has been backed. Now the question then becomes is how by how much? Yeah, you know, it's like you know, it's like yeah, I don't think Manchester United is was in the position to go out and get you know Pernell Harder. Only Chelsea or Manchester City were. Um, maybe Arsenal, maybe, um, but um, but yeah. So from that standpoint, it, you know, she has been backed. I guess some people might question to what degree, and was she going to continue to be backed in the now going into this summer, which frankly is a very critical summer for a lot of teams. United is one of them in terms of United sits right at the crust of that top three. Right at the right there, the next evolution and expectation, I would say, of Manchester United fans, even I would expect um, them really, really shooting for top three next year, provided, you know, the, the appropriate amount of, of ins and outs comes in and, and so forth. And the big thing in my mind that I had going in this summer, and I'm sure in many fans' mind was, is the, the leadership of who's managing who's running the women's side and from you know from everything that i've heard mark casey was the face of women's united football and knew uh, no knows four thousand times more about women's football than anyone else in the united board or brass 
And everything landed on her to run this club. As expected, you hand it over to the person who knows what is the subject matter to just go and run it uh, and so forth. So that needed to be stable. Now it's not stable. We'll get to the future in a second, but your thoughts. Yeah. You you make a very, very valid point about this summer. Now, go back, not even seven days, go back to last Sunday when Casey was interviewed, where she said at the end of the game against Everton, excuse me, she said there will be outgoings, but it won't be a mass exodus. Now, right now, after the news that broke yesterday, we have to hope that that's true. Now, I think most of the players, or if not most, all of the players, have known about this for a while. It 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 might it must make it. They must have known. It, it, Casey wouldn't go into them yesterday morning and go. By the way, guys, I'm resigning tonight. They must have known for a while, and I think that's probably why, as you said, they secured contracts for Leah, Kirsty Hansen, Haley Ladd, Mary Earps. They've all got new contracts. So, the, the, this summer is huge because it's not about who we bring in, it's about who stays, which to me right now is probably just that little bit more important. With Casey Ran, you're correct, Casey Ran, that women's team, she ran it in many ways, I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to get, many ways, she was like Sir Alex. She had a hand in, yeah, she had a hand in absolutely everything. Now, a couple of months ago, United appointed a director of football in John Murta. John and Casey were worked together to bring in the original 21 players. Now, what I can only hope is that Casey and John have had and still do have until when a very good working relationship, that they will be working for the betterment of the team to bring in the right quality kind of caliber of players. The after after mon, after Sunday, it's a it's a whole other question of what comes next. But you what I want a manager who is hands on, like Casey, but has to have that knowledge of women of of women's football. Now could I see United doing something outside of the box? Yeah, I could. It's Manchester United. We'll do we'll do crazy stuff like that. Could I see it happening? Yeah. Do I hope it does happen? Do I hope that happens? Probably not. I, I would like to bring someone with the knowledge of the women's game in. But then again, um, it, wouldn't, it, it really won't surprise me what United would do. Because United, you know, you, you go on Twitter, you read all the the news about, you know, this has happened, that's happened, this has happened. United could bring in, you know, the, the fourth, you know, the 11 best players in the world and there'll still be people who are unhappy with it. Mm-hmm. So I think... It's the nature I, of fan bases. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think what, we, what needs to happen is, one, we need to get Sunday out of the way. Not just for the team's sake, but I think for Casey. Because right. Casey's going to be... Tomorrow she has her pre she has her press conferences and, and 
it, there's going to be absolutely zero talk about the game. And I right. feel sorry. I feel really sorry for Katie on that because what should be something about the team is going to be all about her. And then on Monday morning, we can all press that reset button and talk so, about what happens next. And so the last point that the Devil's DNA tweets came out with, and I actually put a lot of um, a lot of credence on this last one. And the last one they have here that I'll quote it is point six, personal standards. Stoney insists the season was a, quote, personal failure, end quote, after missing out on Champions League and was unable to compete with squad de- the squad depths of Chelsea and Manchester City. He is highly respected in the women's game and is rumored to move to the developed NWSL. Now, uh, I will say that it had been rumored in the United States for about two and a half weeks that teams like in the NWSL, whose regular season starts this weekend, they did the uh, they had a Challenge Cup preseason competition that was uh, you know won by Portland, which if you do not know is is the top squad or one of the top squads in the NWSL. Um, that the rumor was, um, given some dominoes had fallen in the coaching ranks at Portland and new squads that were coming on board, uh, like San Diego and uh, Angel City, which is based in Los Angeles, uh, that they were looking for managers. And one of the managers that they were looking very closely at was Casey Stoney and is. Um, and so the rumor mill had been here was that they were really eyeing her three teams. Um, Angel City, Portland, and San Diego. San Diego is an expansion team, will not start until 2022. In Casey's uh, statement that was released with the Manchester United statement, she said the concept of taking some time away, which actually potentially, if taken literally, suggests taking some time off and then starting with an expansion program type of situation. At least fans of San Diego are saying that, uh, you know, hoping for that to become true. But how how much do you think, Mark, her own – and we know her personal standards and, and, and level of self-responsibility is pretty high. She took a lot of – and we expect managers to do this. We do. We expect our football managers to take one for their team, to back up their team 100%. And she did that no matter what. There was no slip up on that. And she would take the responsibility herself. She would say that she didn't hold adhere to her own personal standards and so forth. How much do you think that plays into this? Huge. That Huge. her personal standards, her seeing that what happened was a personal failure and looking at the possibility that, you know, um, there are other opportunities out there. Um, so for me, it's a massive factor. Casey is a is a is a manager who is a people people person. She manages people. She doesn't manage players. She treat and I've said this on 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 one of the podcasts when we were talking about um, Lotta. She treated Lotta as a human being, not as a commodity. Lotta lived. Lotta was homesick. She wanted to go back to Sweden, um, and Casey treated her as. A human being, firstly, not as a football player. Um, so, yeah. Now, 
Deborah and I, we went to Lee Sports Village earlier this year to put the flags up for the women's game, for the for one of the women's games. And Casey came over to Deborah and I, and she wanted to thank Deborah, myself, and, and Natalie, who's been with us, to put the flags up at Lee. She's a people person. And she said, we are fighting for third. She didn't say we're fighting for the championship. She says we are fighting for the third. And now, has she? Is it her fault that we didn't get third? I, I personally won't, won't put the blame on her. There's been some performances that haven't been great, but she's come out and she says, "I will take that as a manager. I will accept full responsibility." The Arsenal game, the one where we lost at Boreham Wood. After that game, and we talked about this on the Monday, and it, we had, you know, I think 72 hours to, to let everything calm down. On the Friday night, directly after that game, there was hashtag Casey out tweets. There were people wanting her out, saying her style of play isn't right. There was all those kind of things. Now, what I, I will say as a fan is watching the way Casey sets up a team is sometimes interesting, but sometimes exactly the same. We don't, we, we've talked about it every week, it seems, Keith. We don't score enough goals. We're not clinical in front of the goal. Defensively, we're rock solid, usually. And again, I'm going to quote Sir Alex. Yeah. And I'm going to quote Sir Alex. Sir Alex used to say, scoring goals wins, wins your games. Keeping clean sheets wins your leagues. Now, Casey's set up to keep clean sheets because she was a defender. But you look at players who have become managers, they play to their strengths. So Casey, defender. Pep, one of the best defenders in the world. He plays out from the back because that's the way he played. Jose Mourinho, goalkeeper, plays from the back. Oli is different. Oli plays on the attacking foot because he's a striker. So a lot of people will criticise her style of play. I, I, I think personally, my own, my own opinion on it is, is that we became too easy to read. My opinion. When LJ was in the team, the ball used to go to LJ. That was it. And let LJ do, do the rest of it. I, I get why Casey's blamed herself. I do. But, she, you know, we lost... We lost silly games this season. Reading being the one that Casey has said numerous times on an interview, that's where we lost third is that game. And that's the game where, yeah, I, I would tend to agree with it. That's a game we should have won at least at LSV. But she has high standards. She is also, you know, uh, she has a family and she... She has a young family. She has three kids. You know, it was very... And again, not to take it back to the COVID world, but you, you, you kind of have to look at that as well. It's e It was, you know, it's easy for Casey to get up and go to work because she could and leave a partner at home with, with three children. You, I've not been able to, to go to, to, my, to, my, to, my, to work for close on 14, 15 months. I can work from home, but it's not the same as going. So Casey was able to do that, and she was lucky. 
and I just think there's a, there's a set of circumstances about around what's happened and losing games and everything else that Casey feels it, it's it's on her. But as you and I have always said, Keith, players can have a bad day. And I always think Casey has come up and, and stepped up and said, it's my fault. When actually, maybe the, some of the players should have accepted a bit of the responsibility as well. There's a lot to unpack with what you just said there. That very last statement about players taking responsibility, because I'm not yeah. sure that I saw a whole lot of that. Um, you know, from the player side, but I, I don't, I don't have enough information to make that type of statement. But I, I need to move on from the standpoint of the big, going back to the bigger picture again. So, yeah, um, the timing of all of this was not really good from a club standpoint because the club has been essentially under siege. Um, yeah. The the Super League thing has created a siege mentality on both sides with the club, uh, with the players on the club. Uh, and with the fans, a lot of fans very upset at the Super League idea. That set off again the the, the smoldering dislike for the Glazers as owners. We've talked about this on the in the podcast. Uh, there have been protests, canceled matches on the men's side. I guess another one threatened for today. Um, and so forth. And it's just turned into a bunker mentality. And this happening on top of, of all of the fan, a lot of fan sentiment against how this club is being run, you know, was became part now. And I've seen it where now her resigning, Casey resigning and the possible reasons that we've gone over of her resigning has now fit into, or it's been fit into the narrative of seeing She's a great manager and she's walking away because this club didn't do what they needed to do in order to support her. This fits right into the narrative of what we've been talking about. So all y'all women, United Women's fans, please join our anti-Glazer parade. But here's the thing, though. Um, but I want to get your 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 further comment on this. The Barmy Army did release a statement. And that statement, if I, if you don't mind me quoting the statement, Mark, it said, quote, we have read the comments following Casey Stoney's resignation and are concerned about the apparent lack of suitable facilities and infrastructure, which may have played a part in her decision to leave. We would welcome reassurances from the club about what will be done to enable Manchester United women to reach the goals we all want them to. As ever, we are prepared to enter into dialogue to work together to best serve Manchester United. So that was a statement released by the Barmy Army, I guess it was yesterday, uh, I believe so. So how much of this should be laid on, realistically, laid on the feet of management? I guess, again, what what everyone is reacting to is what we're reading about the training facilities. Now, it's not right, and I, you know, I'm in a in a position of, I, I'm, you know, I'm the secretary for the BA. You know, I we we have meet we have meetings with the club, so we have to keep a relationship with the club, but we also have to look after not only the members of the BA, but we have to look after you know our where our goals. When you look at what's been reported out and again we don't know what's f- true we you know we believe most of it 
has been reported by now numerous people is is apparently true. Then the club have to look at the, the, the have to look at that. But to to, to pick it back onto the anti glazer thing, it, it's a bigger it's a bigger matter. In when the ESL was announced, there was a paragraph, and and you and I jokingly made reference to it. Goes, oh, they've just added the women bit in there just because. Now we don't know the impact the ESL would have had with the women's team, and I guess in many ways we would never know. Manchester United, right now, as you said, is under siege. It seems, you know, there's there's not going to week by for the last three or four weeks where United haven't been main news. We, I think the reassurances that we're seeking is, is that these players are going to be treated as, as, as players and not moved and brushed around from here to here to here. They're going to have their own training facilities, be that, at, you know, at Carrington, be that back at, Lee Sports Village, be that uh, wherever. But that's going to be up to the new manager. Now, that then brings, the, that then goes on to the bigger side of things, who's going to be the next manager? Well, you know, we can all speculate on, on who that's going to be. But you, you can't look past where the current world situation, and it, it seems like everything comes back to it. Up until COVID hit, and this is a Casey was more than happy at Lee. I, I said it before. She was more than happy training. She had her own office. She was more than happy training there. Then COVID hit. Now I'm not blaming everything on COVID. It may sound like I am, but I'm also trying to be that little bit realistic to say you can't deny the impact it's had not on just on football, but on the world. Do I expect United to to sort out the facilities? Yes. Is it going to be an immediate fix? I don't think it will be. I'm really. I think it'll be a year, maybe two years down the line when that happens. But right now, the fans seem to have the power with the club, and Joel Glazer is coming into the end of season fans forum now. That's only a good thing because it'll give the reassurances that I think some fans want and it'll give some fans the opportunity to vent out that they want his family out of the club. But we have to build this from somewhere and the leadership of the of the, 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 the ownership or Ed Woodward or John Murta or Darren Fletcher, whoever it is, you, they, they will have to sort this out sooner rather than later because this situation with the training facilities is only going to get worse. It's not this situation isn't going to resolve itself when COVID or what seems to be like COVID is now on its way out. It's not going to be forgotten. This has to be resolved. So yes, we as a as a as a, as a fans group, we will enter. We will hopefully talk about this with the club, and we will want to because at the end of the day, we will be getting asked these same questions by our members, and we will have to give them. We can't fob them off with the answers. We will have to say, "This is what we can tell you." There are things we 
we can't tell you, but the the the, the news coming out from, from me and from what I've heard is that the club is still going to be putting money into the women's team. There's no talk of of that's it, it's done because Casey's left. They are going to build for the future. I I, I am convinced that this is such a very pivotal tip, tipping point for Manchester United as a club and with that being said, the Manchester women's team as part of that. Um, the angst, uh, anger, anxiety, upset at the Glazers and the ownership and how things are being run and how they've been run since they've taken, uh, they took over and a leveraged buyout in 2005 has been smoldering and it's reached a fever pitch in the last, you know, month and a half now and everything that comes out negative uh, or potentially perceived as negative about the club or, or something happening within the club uh, is, is being fit into the narrative of things are bad with the ownership and how this club is being run. We need to have it changed. Some of it, you know, and that's why I wanted to bring you on is, is that some of it is realistic and, and factually based. Mm-hmm. And some of it is it needs to be looked at from like from what you said in a more realistic lens in the context of COVID-19. But at the end of the day, though, I believe firmly that the club is at a really critical possible tipping point where mm-hmm. the Glazers mm-hmm. may indeed be pushed out. You know, it may indeed mm-hmm. and may happen this time. Um, if things get bad enough, the, the anti-Glazer campaign, uh, Glazers Out campaign has been attacking United sponsors. Uh, there have been, you know, I've seen news stories of sponsors, potential sponsors backing out with on the even on the rumor that they could be attached to United as a sponsor. Uh, I mean, it, it's it, it's an all out free for all at this point. And it is a tipping point. Meanwhile, if you look at the performance on the pitch. And let's talk, you know, I'll briefly mention on the men's side, the men's side is preparing for a European Cup final, um, you know, and they're sitting in second place in the Premier League. Uh, I mean, which given that, given the the uh, makeup of the team and, their, and who's running it and so forth, is like kind of a pretty good accomplishment if you think about it. On the women's side, again, I mean, we, we talked about this last, earlier this week, that Coming within one point of Arsenal for third place in a Champions League slot in the first full season in the WSL is a massive accomplishment. Yeah. I mean, it just really is. I mean, it's a massive accomplishment. So what that means, though, is on a sporting standpoint, it is kind of critical and so let's take let, we'll take the men out of it. It's critical for them too this coming summer, uh, where they go from here. And the same thing could be asked of the women's side, of of like okay, we've had now the manager leaves. We have to get Manchester United has to get a new women's manager in place. We've got all these deals that we were kind of doing, trying to work on up until this point. Foolish to say that they've been working on it, you know, after Monday. Um, so it's been done. Some of the stuff has been done already, or in the works. So there's a lot that has to happen and who they hire in as a manager next is going to be very critical on the future of the, of the club and who leaves and who stays, as you mentioned, also is very critical. So, Mark, what next? Uh, I heard someone say on a, on a video that 
they felt like we, and, and she was saying we as United Women uh, in, in the program and the project, or it's like starting completely over back in 2018. I'm not sure I totally agree with that. Um, but is it starting over? Is the United Pro- Women's program now starting over? I, I guess the, only way, the easy answer is I don't know. The only the answer is I don't know because it depends on who stays and who goes. If there is, you know, people are on out on Twitter and they're saying there's going to be a mass exodus from the club. Now, if that's true, then yeah, I guess we are starting over from from year one. And you know, if that you know, will we be then able to obtain fourth in the in the league if we have a mass exodus? I, right now. It, that's that's very difficult to see. If most of the players stay, and we let go some of the players that are fringe players or out of contract, but we keep a majority of the playing squad, then no, I don't think we will be starting from over. A, a new manager will come in, and they will have their own ideas. They will want their own players brought in. Um. But it depends on, for me, who goes. If it, if it is a mass exodus, which I, personally I, I I don't think it will be, um, then I think we will be all right next season. I, I, I will probably say this now. I, it, I don't think we'll be getting third next season unless we bring in seven, eight, nine, nine different quality players. But... It depends on who stays for me. That's that right now is. It, I don't want to. We can't talk about who's coming in. The bigger question is who's staying, and I think that's a, that's the that's the part we need to kind of get around is who's staying first, and then build from that. I'm sh- I'm sure you've thought about this, Mark. Who do you want, if anyone, to come in and manage this team? I've heard Carla Ward's name mentioned. Um, for as an example, I don't know if she would be coming or not, but but is there someone in particular that you want to come manage the squad in the state that it's in right now? Um, honestly, I, I haven't thought about it. Um, I don't, I, and I, I I don't know a lot about women's football. I'm a Manchester United fan who just so happened to to go and follow the Manchester United women's team. Um, I, I've heard names branded. Carla Ward, she would work. I think um, she can work to a budget. Uh, but honestly, I, I don't know. What I do hope is that whoever they appoint, it's done quickly. I would mm-hmm. like to think Casey has had some input on it mm-hmm. in who she would recommend. Um, but more, but more overly than that, I, I I want the manager position tied up sooner, rather than well into the summer transfer window when it might be too late to bring in the players that the new manager wants. Uh, I, I think that's all right now. All all Manchester United fans can ask for is we go out on Sunday, we put on a performance, and then come Monday morning. The, the club actively seek the, the new manager, if not already. Do you think, do you trust the club to hire the right person? 
Yeah, I do. Because the people, the footballing people in that club, the John Murta of these world, he he worked closely with Casey, as I said before, about the, um, the original 21. And you can't, I, I think John will be in meetings about this. I, I, I trust the club to bring in, yes, the right person. Because it's a huge, we're at a huge crossroads with the women's team right now. It's I I, I don't want to make it sound too dramatic, but it is a make or break. If I they bring in you. the right person, yeah. If we bring in the right person, you know, we can go to the to wherever we want. If we bring in the wrong person, hey, look, we might be back in the championship again before we know it. Um, so they need to, you know, they 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 need to recruit. Right, and as I said, I hope Casey has been able to put down who she wants to think who she thinks is is right for the job, and is also available. I mean, I think it was like you know, I think it was an incredible coup that they were able to hire Casey Stoney in the first place. Uh, well, you know, I mean, that was a solid move. And if I if I were because I I, I firmly believe Mark that the best predictor of the future behavior is passed. So if you get it right the first time, you're more than likely, or more likely, not more than likely, but you're better, uh, you have a better chance of doing it again, uh, given it depends on who's making the final decision, the final calls on that, um, and so forth. So, um, you know, in closing, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, as I said at the open, there's a lot of consternation, a lot of angst, a lot of uh, upset feelings about this amongst United fans. Uh, a lot of, but I've also heard a lot of the sky is falling uh, and so forth. Mark, one of the reasons I love you on this show is is you're not one of those people that's going to be running around like Chicken Little saying the sky is falling um, and so forth. So, is is there a reason for United fans to be hopeful uh, of the future, even without the person that was the face of the program? Yeah. Uh, look, at the, end, at the end of the day, we're Manchester United. At the end of the day, we are still in my opinion, the biggest club in the world, be that, it's definitely, you know, on the men's side. No one could predict where the men's team would go after Sir Alex. It took a couple of attempts. Yeah, you know, we, we went through the David Moyes, we had Giggsy for a couple of games. We then got Louis, who got us to an FA Cup final, which we won. We then got Jose in, and he won the Carabao and the Europa League. And we're slowly getting the Manchester United back. We at the end, if we keep, as I said before, if we keep a large section of this current squad, I'm expecting some to go. I'm I'm not naive to think they're all going to stay. I am expecting some to go. But if we keep a majority of them, we're still in a good place. Yes, LJ more than likely is going to go to Chelsea. A lot of people are blaming, you know, saying that's part of why Casey's going. Uh, you know, you and I have discussed this off camera. It's really nothing to do with Casey. This move has been done by Lauren and, and, and outside people, in my opinion. So LJ's going to go. 
But Tobin and Christen, they're going to go. But they only signed on a year deal anyway. So we were expecting them to go. But and to, it, to put that it, in context, too, is that the, the same thing is, is true for the other American players on other teams. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, Rose Lavelle and Sim Mewis and Dal Kemper and so forth, they're out of contract, too. Um, yeah. You know, it's rumored that they're going to go uh, back to the NWSL um, and so forth. So it, it's not just United in that boat, really, to be included in contracts, yeah. too. So, you, you know, you rule out, you know, but you, you, you look at, you know, you look at, you take out Tobin and Kristen because they only signed for a year while we're in the COVID world. So, yeah, they're going. LJ, going from what you, we've read in the papers. And, in fact, if you go on the Chelsea Megastore today, yeah. you I can buy her that. shirt. You yeah. can already buy the shirt. Yeah. I mean, Isn't that so Chelsea? I'm sorry. I, you know, it's like they do stuff like this. <laughs> you know, they, they do a little yeah. cheeky stuff. You know, to kind of niggle people, um, and I don't yeah. know if they do it on purpose or on accident. I think it's both. Um, you know, and it's like this is why you know, Chelsea folks. This is why some people don't like you. <laughs> okay, um, you know, because it's that type of nonsense stuff. It's yeah. for me a little bit yeah. nuts. Like, I mean, I started seeing these tweets from fans of other teams and fans of Chelsea. I was like, what the fuck are they doing? Uh, you know, but it. it I got a feeling it was done on purpose. Um, but either either way, go ahead, Mark. I'm sorry. But, but yeah, we saw today that, that you could get Lauren, Lauren James's number and name on a Chelsea shirt. Yeah. Because they just, they just really couldn't get today. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, LJ is more than likely gone. Yeah, Tobin and Kristen have gone. But we've got um, Leah Goldson on a new contract. Kirsten yeah. Hansen on a new contract. Hayley Ladd on a new contract. Mary Earps on a new contract. Alessia Russo only signed last season. Ivana Fuso only signed last season. Jackie Gronin still has another year on her contract. So you, you, there's people who I'm expecting to go who are out of contract, but there's a lot of them who I'm expecting to stay. So it's all, for, for me, I'm not looking at the negative. I can only see right now, yes, the massive negative is that Casey is gone. It's a massive negative. But the positive for whoever comes in is that a majority of that squad should, and I'm, I'll, I'll put it in, in that, should still be there next season, and they can build on that. With that, thank you so much, Mark, for your dose of realism <laughs> into the mix in context, uh, because a context, I think, is everything when it comes to this. And there's other sides of the story, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, you know, uh, Casey definitely has her own personal reasons uh, for going. And, and it could it probably is very multifaceted. Um, and there are probably reasons that with that that are not even been mentioned in the media because she's a human being like all of us. And we have our reasons for doing things that we, uh, we have, we keep for ourselves. Like, Hey, you know, this, you know, I've seen a lot of people talk about, you know, um, you know, applauding her for standing on principle for, you know, just walking out when things weren't, you know, going, you know, uh, she wasn't getting the support that she needed. But at the end of the day, though, she she's going for her own reasons. Now, whether or not she publicizes those reasons or not is entirely up to her. I suspect she will not. 
um, at least, you know, talk about all of them. But, you know, but at the end of the day, I know y'all Manchester United fans are going to be very uh, are sad that she's leaving. And I totally yep. get it. I totally understand why. Uh, and you're all going to want to wish her a really good goodbye. I've heard, heard people saying, we're going to go to, we're going to go to Lee LSV and, you know, and, and, and try to wave goodbye, you know, and stuff like that. And I get that too. And that's the, that's the greatness of football too. Uh, you become attached with coaches and that, you know, on a personal level. And that's one of the great things about the women's game that hasn't gotten so big that you lose touch with, you know, the people that are actually performing, the people that are on the field as coaches and, and players, you know, I think that's one of the things that really that I, that it really spoke to me before I started even doing this podcast is the connection between the the fans, the supporters groups and the, the women's teams, uh, not just, you know, Manchester United in particular, City in particular, Chelsea as well, um, where I was seeing that type of connection being made uh, to, to really grow the game and to, for people to have a personal connection. And I know, obviously, given where you are with the Barmy Army, you do have a definite personal connection with the team and, and, and so forth. So um, it is kind of, it is a sad occasion and so forth. But as you said, there is hope for the future. Uh, I think in the greater context of the sport, as I mentioned, though, is that because this is the um, the biggest club in England, if not Europe, if not the world, uh, arguably, uh, a situation where something sheds light on the inequity of how women's footballers are being treated by clubs actually might end up being a good thing, um, you know, to continue that in the biggest club in Europe, the biggest club potentially in the world, um, that even there at that big club, facilities were not up to par and people left because of that and so forth. How true all of that is and to what degree is one thing, but it does shed light on a very big thing that stories like this coming out of Birmingham or coming out of smaller clubs easily tossed aside by the mainstream, easily like, oh, yeah, that's Birmingham. They're small. You know, they could get that. But at United, hmm, that perks up things up. So anything that sheds light on inequity and how women football players are being uh, coached, managed, trained, treated, etc. at the end of the day is a, is a big deal and is important. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think in the, in the grand scheme of things, Casey Stoney may end up being more of a trailblazer than she ever imagined she could ever be. Um, you know, potentially in the, in the grants, depending on how it all kind of plays out in the end. So thank you very much, Mark, for joining us today. You're welcome. Thanks, Keith. All right. And we are going to shut this bad boy down. <laughs> it is, uh, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of what we're doing uh, and so forth. Thank you for joining us to this very special show um, that we're doing today. And remember that the light is out there. Please acknowledge it. It definitely is out there. There's hope, you know, but if under, if uh, we got to acknowledge the darkness is out there as well, we got to acknowledge it's there. Do not ever let it become part of your life. Don't let it hug you. Don't let it hug the people you love. If it does, if it comes close, please get uh, help for yourself. Take care of yourself. Take care of the people around you. Let people take care of you too, if you need it. So we are going to shut it down for today. We will be back on uh, sometime next week after the Champions League final and the FA Cups and all this other fun stuff that's going to happen. So we'll see you next week. 
So with that, thank you so much for listening and watching. Have a good one.